Today's daf is Memdalid in Masechet Sukkah. We are going to start seven lines from the top of Memdalid Amud Aleph, where it says, Amar le Abaye le which should be le according to what the Bach says on the side. Amar le Abaye le Rabbah. We know that really the mitzvah of lulav outside of the Beit HaMikdash is only one day, the first day of Sukkot. The mitzvah of arava uh, in, is also, uh, and yet for the, for the mitzvah of lulav, even though outside the Beit HaMikdash it should only be one day, in order to commemorate the Beit HaMikdash in which the Lulav was shaken for seven days on Sukkot, we also now shake it for seven days, but in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, it was only shaken in the Beit HaMikdash for seven days. Outside, it was only one day. And yet we do it for all seven. So when it comes to the Aravah, when it comes to remembering the uh, Mitzvat Aravah, the willow uh, bundle that we take, we only take it on Hoshan Aravah, the end of Sukkot, it was actually done in the Beit HaMikdash every day, so why don't we also do that every day? Rabba said, well, since anyway, you're shaking the lulav every day, so we kind of t- hit two birds with one stone because we're shaking the lulav every day, and inside the lulav is the arava. Uh, so you could say we're kind of doing it every day. said, What are you talking about? The, the Arava and the Lulav doesn't count for the Mitzvah of Arava, which is a separate Mitzvah. That's part of the Lulav. And if you're going to tell me that a person picks it up multiple times, but not everybody does that. Not everybody picks it up multiple times. So maybe he's only getting the Mitzvah of Lulav and not the Mitzvah of Arava. So how could you say that inadvertently, so to speak, incorporated into the Mitzvah of Lulav is a commemoration of the Arava every day? Since it's just part of the Lulav, that's not true. The answer that comes from Rava in the name of Rava comes from Rav Zavid in the name of Rava is that the Lulav is Deoraita in the Beit HaMikdash for seven days. So we, in order to commemorate it, do it seven days. But the Arava was only Derabanan. Um, so even though it was done seven days in the Beit HaMikdash, we only commemorate it one day. Now the problem is, Liman, who says that only Dirabanan, the Arava that was brought in the, in the, uh, in the Beit HaMikdash, if you're going to tell me according to Abba Shaul, that certainly is not true, because he said that the word Arvenachal, which is a reference to the Aravot that is supposed to be included in the Lulav, the reason why it's in the plural Arvenachal is to tell you, that there's another Arava that's brought in the Beit HaMikdash. So he definitely holds it to Deoraita. And Il Rabbanan, if it's the rabbis, Il Chetagimirana, the rabbis maintain, meaning other than Abba Shaul, all the other rabbis hold that it's a, it's a tradition passed down, Moshe Misinai, but definitely not rabbinic according to anybody. Either it's learned out from a Pasuk or it's a tradition that goes back to Sinai. we know the famous teaching of Rabbi Asi in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, in the name of Rabbi Nuchunya, Ish Bekat Bet Chortan, that S that there are three halachot de Moshe Misinai that were reported from Nechunya, which were, first of all, Eser Nitiot, which is a halacha that has to do with saplings that are, uh, that are planted together in a small uh, area of land, that one is allowed to actually plow the entire area for the benefit of those saplings, even though uh, even though it is uh, approaching the Shemitah year, he's a, and normally he would only be able to plow in order to uh, help the uh, survival of the saplings themselves, but since there are 10 planted within a betza, within uh, one area, one defined area, he's allowed to plow the entire area, that's Halachal Moshe Misinai, also Nisu Chamaim, that there is a libation of water, all seven days of Sukkot, in the Beit HaMikdash is a, uh, 
is a halacha Moshe Misinai, and also that they place the willows, uh, that they walk with the willows around the uh, around the altar, and that they place them on the altar is likewise halacha Moshe Misinai. So you have three halachot Moshe Misinai. The main one being here, the relevant one being here, the arava. So you see, it's not something considered rabbinic. Ela amar avzivit mishmei de raval do love the itle ikar mei Torah. It's not that Rava meant to say that the Arava is only rabbinic, because that's definitely not true. It's either biblical or it's a halacha de Moshe Misinai, which basically has the same status as a biblical law, just part of Torah Sheba Alpeh, part of the oral tradition. But what he meant was, since the Lulav is written explicitly in the Torah, so in order to commemorate it in the absence of the Bet HaMikdash, we do a full seven days. When it comes to the Arava, which is not written explicitly in the Torah, it's either learned out from a hint or it's a, an oral tradition, so we only commemorate it one day. Amar Shlakish, Shlakish said, Kohanim Balemu Minuchnesin Ben Olam Velam Isbeach, Yedrasit Barava. Shlakish said that the Kohanim, even if they are Balemu Min, even if they are, um, they have a mum, they have a defect that would prevent them uh, normally from officiating at any Avodah in the Bet HaMikdash, they're allowed to walk around with the Aravot. Um, walk around the Mizbeach as part of the Arava ceremony, despite the fact that they have to go into the area where normally the Kohanim, who have a mum, are not allowed to go, which is Ben Aulam Vila Mizbeach, which is past the Mizbeach, um, towards where the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim are. Uh, they're allowed to go in that area of the courtyard in order to do this mitzvah. Amalir Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, Mi Amara, who said that? Now it's vague what he meant by Mi Amara, who said what? So, at first the Gemara assumes that what Rabbi Yochanan was asking was who said that there's a mitzvah to walk with an Aravan, the Bet HaMikdash, all, uh, all together. Mi Amar, what do you mean? Ha'iu Amar, Dam Rabbi Asi, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Mishim Rabbi Nechunia, Bikat Bet Chortan, Eser Nitot Aravav Nisuch HaMayim, Alachal Moshe Misinai. We just had a teaching in the name of Rabbi Yochanan just a second ago, who was reporting in the name of Rabbi Nechunia, that... Um, that one of the halachot of Moshe Misinai is the walking with the arava around the Mizbeach and placing it on the Mizbeach. So how could you say that that mitzvah of arava is only, you know, mi amara who said it, right? So obviously he wasn't questioning that mitzvah. Ela mi amara bintila. What he meant was, first of all, where do you get the idea that you have to walk around the Mizbeach with it? Dilma bizkiva, like we saw in the previous Amud, maybe it's possible that the only mitzvah was to place it on the altar. You don't actually have to go past the altar and walk around the altar to fulfill the mitzvah. And, maybe it's only allowed for those who are tmimim, who do not have a mum. How do you know that even a Kohen who is a balmum is allowed to do it? So the implication is that Rish Lakish is maintaining it's not really an avodah, it's not really a component of the avodah, so a Kohen who is a balmum is allowed to do it, whereas Rabbi Yochanan is quite questioning that assertion, but everybody agrees that there is such a thing as some mitzvat arava in the Beit HaMikdash. Now, Itmar was stated as follows, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi had the following argument, but we forgot who said what. One said that the arava was a foundation of the Nevi'im, was something established by the prophets. And one says, And one said that the arava, the mitzvah arava was a custom that of the Nevi'im. Now, Rashi explains what's the difference. What is Yesod Nevi'im? Rashi says, Takanat Nevi'im Achonim, Chagai Zechariah Umalachi, Shayomim Metaknei Takanot Yisrael, Banshek Nesda Gula. According to that, this was actually established not in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu and not from the Torah, but the Mitzvah Barabah was actually a, um, was established by the Nevi'im. Now, this is talking about, um, 
so, and this is interesting because uh, previously we said that nobody says it's rabbinic, but that would sort of imply that, uh, that it has rabbinic status. And that's what the Gemara is going to get onto that. So the issue is um, that Yisod uh, Nevi'im would mean that the Anshek Neset Agdola, or really the last Nevi'im established this idea of Arava. One says, Minhag Nevi'im, Hinhigu Ata'am, Belotiknulem. That this was something that the Nevi'im uh, instituted but did not establish formally. And what's the difference? That if it were something which was a, it was a Yisod Nevi'im, then everybody would have to say a Bacha on doing the Mitzvah. If it's Minhag Nevi'im, then it would not require a Bacha. That's how Rashi explains the difference between Yisod Nevi'im and Minhag Nevi'im. So, of course, the question is, which Arava is this talking about? Is it talking about the Arava that was done in the Beit HaMikdash, or this was talking about, is it talking about the Arava that was done um, in the, uh, you know, in the, is done among the people today? So the simple reading of the Gemara is that it's assuming that it's talking about the one that was done in the Beit HaMikdash, based on the question that's about to be asked. You can, you can, uh, uh, determine or conclude that it's Rabbi Yochanan who says that it's Yisod Nevi'im that the Nevi'im established it. De Amar Rabbi Abba Rabbi Yochanan Arava Yisod Nevi'imu because Rabbi Abba said that Rabbi Yochanan said the Arava is something founded by the Nevi'im. It was something established by the Nevi'im. You, you would even say a bracha on that. Um, so it says Tistayim. You can conclude that that in fact. Is the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan? Rabbi Yochanan Hachi. How could you say that? How could Rabbi Yochanan say such a thing that the Nevi'im established the idea of Arava? This is the third time we've had this teaching on this page. That Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Nechunya as follows: Eser Nitiot, the law of Shemitah about uh, uh, plowing a field that has ten saplings in it, Arava. The, the willow mitzvah and the nisuch hamayim, the pouring of the water on the altar, halacha the Moshe Misinai. These are all halacha the Moshe Misinai passed down from the times of Mount Sinai. So obviously, this could not be a reference then to the um, to the uh, uh, the arava of uh, when Rabbi Yochanan said it's Yisod Nevi'im, how can he say it's Yisod Nevi'im? Because you see it's something that came from Moshe Rabbeinu. It definitely didn't come from the later prophets. Ishtomem kishachada. At first, he was like. Silenced for a moment. In other words, Rabbi Abba didn't know uh, how to answer. He was uh, he was he, he was taken aback. Va'amar, and then he said, "Shachum v'chasuv yisdum." It was that they forgot it and it was reestablished. In other words, Rashi says, "Begalut bavel shachot atuava mitzvot b'mekzat v'zon shkara lagamrei v'chasuv v'im achronim v'yisdum al pi adibur." Rashi says that the Nevi'im restored this prophetically. Now that's a little bit of a controversial statement because we know that in general we say. That halacha cannot be restored by Nevi'im. It can be restored by prophecy after Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's a little bit of a controversial statement, what Rashi says. But uh, other Rishonim might explain it as just meaning that they that it was forgotten among the people and the Nevi'im came back and made sure that the people recalled this important mitzvah that had been in the beginning of the Bayit Sheni, perhaps forgotten. But really it was something that originated with Moshe Rabbeinu, not something that originated with the Nevi'im uh, themselves. So Mi'am Rabbi Yochanan Nachi, did Rabbi Yochanan really say that? Vam Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said... That you say it is theirs. In other words, you guys maintain um, that uh, that uh, the um, that the the mitzvah of arava was was rabbinic. Okay, la kashya, it's no problem. Kan ba mikdash, kan ba gvulin. 
One is talking about the Mikdash, one is talking about the Gvulin outside the Mikdash. And now we come to really what the, uh, now we can understand the Gemara a little bit better, and it's not as problematic. In other words, when Rabbi Yochanan was talking before about the idea of Arava being from Halachal uh, Moshe Misinai, or when Rabbi Abba Shaul was talking about Arava being something that was learned out from a Pasuk of the Torah, that was the Arava that's brought in the Mikdash. And all the times that Rabbi Yochanan said that it was Halachal Moshe Misinai and was viewing it as a Deoraita, um, that was uh, when he was speaking about the um, the uh, um, uh, the Arava of the Mikdash. But there's another mitzvah Arava, which is one that we do today, the one that's practiced among the people in the absence of the Beit HaMikdash or outside the Beit HaMikdash. And that Arava, that mitzvah Arava was established by the Nevi'im, according to Rabbi Yochanan. In the Mikdash, it goes back to the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. But it, among the people, it's something established by the Nevi'im. Either it's the Yesod Nevi'im or Minhag Nevi'im. And the, Rabbi Yochanan was criticizing the other rabbis for suggesting that it is a, uh, that it was only a rabbinic institution and not something that hearkened back to the Nevi'im. That's the, uh, that's the uh, understanding of Rashi. And according to that, the machloket between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shubh and Levi would be whether a bracha should be recited on the arava that we uh, perform, the mitzvah arava that we perform on Hoshana Rabbah. Am Rabbi Amir, Rabbi Amir said, Aravat tzicha shiur. The arava requires a measurement. It has to be big enough. It has to be carried by itself, nothing else in the hand of the person. So it's clear that they're doing the mitzvah. Uh, and you cannot fulfill the mitzvah with the arava that's in the lulav. This institution that was created by the Nevi'im, or this minhag that was created by the Nevi'im, has to be observed with a separate arava. Obviously, if we know that the arava has to be carried separately, then you can't fulfill the mitzvah with the arava and the lulav. So why do you have to say both of those things? <coughs> that should be obvious. Maybe you'll say, that's only true if I don't pick up my lulav twice. But if I pick up my lulav twice, the first time I had in mind for the mitzvah of lulav, the second time I said, I'm picking up the arava, you might have thought, you would have thought that that would be good enough. So it comes to teach you that not only does the picking up the, of the lulav not count the first time, doesn't even count the second time, because arava has to be picked up separately. Rav Chizda said in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak differently, that actually you could fulfill the mitzvah even with the arava that is attached to the lulav. What is the measurement of the, of the arava? Rav Nachman, Gimel Badealin Lachin. You need to have three, um, three stalks, each of which has a, one, a minimum of one uh, wet, meaning one not dried out leaf. Even if you had one leaf and one stem, it would be enough. Meaning just one arava. Really? You mean one leaf and one stem? The Gemara originally assumed that he meant hold a stem in one hand and a leaf in the other hand. No. What he meant was even one stalk that has one leaf is enough to fulfill this mitzvah of arava on Hoshana Raba. Amar Aivu. Aivu said, I was once standing in front of Rabbi Elazar Tzadok. And a certain person came in front of him with an arava, with a willow. Shakil, he took it. Chavit, chavit, velobarich. He smacked it, smacked it, and did not say a bracha. Rashi interprets chavit, chavit, not as we do the mitzvah of, um, of, uh, arava today that we smack it against the ground, but that it was nianua. That it was a shaking, like the way that we shake the lulav, that that's the mitzvah of chavit. Chavit is referring to 
uh, a shaking of it, the way that we shake the lulav, separate from the lulav. According to other Rishonim, it means banging it against the ground like the way that we do, as the Rambam explains, as Shulchan Aruch says. <clears throat> so, Kasavar min hagnevi'imhu. And again, you could see from here a proof to Rashi's interpretation. He holds that it's a min hagnevi'im, since it's only a min hag, that's why there's no bracha. I too who were sons of the daughter of Rav brought an Arava in front of him in front of Rav. Again, Rav smacked it and did not say abacha, or shook it and did not say abacha. because he held it was a min It's only a custom and therefore does not require a bacha. Amar a person came before Rabbi Elazar Bar Tzadok in my presence. And he said, I have a vineyard. I have a city, rather. And Kromaya Italy. And I have a vineyard. Zetai Italy. And I have olives. Ve'atu b'nei Kiryata. And the people of the village come. Omekashkashin be'karmaya. And they basically dig in the... Um, they they uh, fix up the grounds. They tend to the grounds in the kerem, in the, uh, in the vineyard. And what happens is, meaning even during Shvi'it, even during Shemitah, they come and they clean the rocks and so on of the ground, out of the ground and stuff like that in Shemitah. And then, uh, and then, ve'ochlin And then they go and they eat olives from my olive trees as payment for the digging and the uh, removal of stones and things like that that they're doing in my uh, in my field, in my vineyard. So, is this acceptable? Meaning, should I continue doing this or not? Uh, you know, is it appropriate or not? So he said to him, he shouldn't do it. He was about to leave. And Amar, uh, He said, I've been living in this land for 40 years. And I, that I've been living in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Elazar Bar Tzadok said, I've been living here already 40 years and I've never seen a person as straight as this person, a person as righteous as this person, that he heard that this, he, was, he had a situation going that he thought was good. These people would tend to his land, they would take his olives, he couldn't do anything with the olives anyway, with Shemitah, he wasn't allowed to gather them. So he was using it to pay his workers, basically, but when he heard he wasn't allowed to do that, he canceled the plan. So, Hadaratei va'amarlei, so then he came and he said, you know, what should I do? Because he didn't want to leave his people also unemployed. They were poor. That's why he was allowing them to do it. To, uh, you know, to work his, uh, his vineyard, meaning to work the ground, really. Not planting or anything, not even, uh, not seeding or planting or harvesting, but just uh, removing rocks and so on from the ground. <coughs> and uh, they were taking the olives. He was supporting the poor. So he said to him, What you should do is, you should make the... Um, you should uh, make the olives ownerless, the, the possession of the poor, uh, declare them ownerless. And what you should do is then give money to, the, uh, to those people who are working the vineyard. In other words, what they're doing in the vineyard, assuming it's okay, we're going to see in a second that during the Shemitah, if you really want to feed these olives so they don't go to waste, you want to feed it to the poor people, so make it hefkir, make it ownerless and belong to the poor. That's how you can feed them the olives. And meanwhile, pay for the work they're doing for you. It's really okay for them to be doing this work on the ground. It says in the seventh year, you should leave the land fallow and abandon it, basically. That you should not be hoeing in the ground, in other words, no digging in the ground and no removing of rocks from the ground. 
That's what the Pasuk means. The difference is one is closing up holes in the ground and one is actually helping the, the uh, trees grow. So uh, meaning that what you do to, in, to uh, enhance contribute to the growth of the trees is prohibited during Shemitah, but what you do just to close holes in the ground or the, you know, or things like that, um, it, when they were moving dirt around and moving uh, stones around, it was to close holes in the ground. Uh, it wasn't in order to make the uh, ground better for the, uh, for the uh, plants. So actually, uh, removing the rocks is not what they were doing. They were moving the dirt around in order to make the, um, in order to make the, keep the ground solid so that there wouldn't be cracks and holes in the ground, but not in a way that facilitated the growth of the plants. So even though it seemed like that's what they were doing, that they were softening the ground to make the growth better, or they were removing rocks to make the growth better, it was actually they were moving things around just to uh, make the ground uh, more solid. So Amar Ivu Mishim Rabbi Elazar Bar Tzadok. Rabbi Ivu also said in the name of Rabbi Elazar Bar Tzadok. Adi Alech Adam Barvei Shabbatot Yotem Megimot Parsaot. A person should not travel more than three parsaot on erev Shabbat because a person will be caught unprepared for Shabbat. Basically, if he does such a thing, uh, if he if he's traveling a long journey, by the time he gets in, he might not be able to get the provisions for Shabbat that he needs. Amar Afkana Afkana said, Amar Elavetei. That's only if he's going home. But if he's going to stay with somebody for Shabbat, it's not an issue because he's going somewhere where the people are preparing for him. He's relying on them. He doesn't expect, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't expect uh, to, if he's going to an inn or a hotel, he's bringing the food with him. If he's going to somebody's house that's uh, preparing for him, he's relying on them. It's only when he's going home that he shouldn't make a long trip on Erev Shabbat because maybe when he gets there, he's not going to have time to prepare for the Shabbat. Um, so he's relying on what he has in his pocket. In other words, if he's going to a hotel, he's already prepared. He's bringing the food with him. And if he's going to somebody's house, obviously he's relying on them. And others say, that um, what, what Rabbi Elizabeth meant was even to his house, he shouldn't travel that far. But, to an, but uh, it includes... Kol shikin, all the more so if he's going to a hotel or something like that. In other words, if he's going home, uh, if he's going to a hotel where there's nothing there and he would have to go around looking for something before Shabbat, definitely shouldn't travel far. If he's going uh, home, you might think, well, maybe he'll have whatever in the fridge, he'll have stuff in the cabinets. Nope, even there, he shouldn't travel very far on Erev Shabbat. Make sure he has enough time to prepare Shabbat. It happened to me one time that I was traveling and I had a long journey on Erev Shabbat. And when I got there, I couldn't even get a cup of fish hash, which was like the most uh, basic, minimal kind of a food that a person could have. Uh, he wasn't even able, even able to find that because um, he ran too late on Erev Shabbat. He doesn't tell us here if that was to his house or to a uh, hotel, but seemingly it was to a hotel, given that it comes on the second uh, teaching here. So the bottom line is that... Um, a person should make sure that they have enough time on Erev Shabbat to prepare sufficiently and they shouldn't engage in lengthy travel because there's a likelihood if they get in late, they won't be able to prepare sufficiently. Mitzvah lulav kitzah. How did the mitzvah lulav work? People would come and they would leave their lulavim on Harabait on the Temple Mount for the next morning. This was before they made the takana that everybody should do it at home. Tanei, tanaka mitzvah Rav Nachman, a tana taught in front of Rav Nachman, so doing al-gav 
gag ha'itztaba. They would put it on the roof of the itztaba. There were these outdoor seating benches and there was a uh, sort of a uh, roof over them to provide shade. So he says they would put the lulavim on top of this roof. So he said, does he, want, does he want to dry out the lulav? Why would he put it on the roof? The roof is where it's going to get too much sun. They would put it on the benches themselves. That uh, this is like the teaching of Rachava in the name of, and it, should, it says Rav Yehuda should say Rabbi Yehuda that Harabait was Stav Kafulaya. It was a double. Uh, there was like a double area of seating. Stav Mistav, one area within the other. Um, so there were two sort of uh, rows, semicircle rows of benches for people to sit on, and on these benches where they would put their lulavim. Uh, under the canopy or under the roof that would protect them from too much sun till the next day where they would come to shake the lulav in the Beit HaMikdash. Just an interesting point we mentioned on the previous, or on this daf, that if the shaking of the arava uh, or the beating of the arava is only minhag nevi'im, then there wouldn't be a vacha, there wouldn't be a blessing on the uh, practice of the, uh, the arava. And that, that's as we have it. We don't say a vacha on the uh, arava on Hoshana Rabbah. Interestingly, based upon this, is the custom that we have of Sfaradim not to say a Bachan Halel on Rosh Chodesh, because since it's only considered a Minhag, it's only a custom to recite the Halel on Rosh Chodesh, it's not considered to be a Halacha, so therefore we don't say a Bachan on it. But this was a debate among uh, the, among the uh, Rishonim, the early authorities, with many Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim saying that even though it's, a, it's only a Minhag, uh, some minhagim have a stature that a bacha can still be recited on them. So that's an interesting debate among the among the rishonim. What is the status of a minhag such as the minhag of reciting um, reciting halel and rosh chodesh? Whether there would be a bacha on that in light of this gemara that suggests that when it's a minhag we don't say a bacha. So there are some that say that there's a difference between, for instance, the halel of other chagim uh, of let's say cholamoid pesach versus the halel of. Um, uh, of Rosh Chodesh, some don't make a distinction between the two. Some ask the question, "What about Yom Tov Shenishel Galuyot?" It's also a minhag that we keep a second day of Yom Tov, and yet we say all the bachor and all the mitzvot on the second day of Yom Tov, even though it's all just a minhag. There, the answer that's given is that the minhag is to treat it as Yom Tov. As soon as you treat it as Yom Tov. Uh, the things that you do on that day are no longer a minhag. They are considered a mitzvah and they're equal in status to any other rabbinic mitzvah uh, that you have to say a bacha on. But this is a very interesting discussion. What practices can have a bacha and what cannot? There's a tosfot here on Amud Bet that, dis- that discusses it, but it's discussed in many other places as well and is a very interesting topic for more research. Shabbat Shalom.